All right, and we're live. So thank you, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us, man, um, on the fourth or fifth episode of Real Estate Homies. Uh, I was super, super excited whenever I reached out and you said, no way, I'm a homie. Like, I get to be on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've made it. You know, this is one of those moments you uh, you live for. So I'm here. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> no, I love it, man. You know, I'm very, very excited to have you. Um, one thing I, I really wanted to talk about is, um, one, you, you're a successful broker, uh, real estate agent, and uh, you guys have a pretty large team now underneath you guys, you and David. Um, but then what you've done is built a whole other arm uh, with property management too. And so I think that's super fascinating and, and that, um, you know, a lot of people are probably like, how do you guys do that? Uh, you know, sure. just as we talked before we pushed it live, you said it's been a busy day. So right. I'm sure there's a processes and things you put in place that allow you to make that possible. Um, so if you could, man, just kind of give me a little breakdown on or your spiel on everything you guys have accomplished in real estate so far, and then a little bit more about what you guys have accomplished in property management so far. Sure. Uh, well, let's see. This year, we enter our 15th year as a franchise. Uh, I've been in the business. This is my 19th year. It's kind of crazy to think about. Um, but as you said, David is my business partner, is one of my closest friends. I've been, I guess, in business with him from college through uh, life experiences for probably 25 years. Um, but uh, through the franchise operations and general real estate sales, uh, we've um, managed to get into the top 10 of our franchise rankings nationwide. Uh, that was in 2013, uh, constantly in the top 30 companies nationwide as a Weikert franchise. Really excited about that. Got to travel and meet some pretty exciting folks. And then about 10 years ago, the property management thing just kind of came up because the market had shifted. We needed to find uh, really another opportunity to kind of stay relevant in the marketplace. David has always had a really keen eye of, you know, staying ahead of, of some of the trends. So that and couple it with just our clients needs for renting out their properties. Uh, I'm sure many of us are familiar with the great uh, 2008 drop off of value and, uh, what was happening in the marketplace. So <clears throat> we were fortunate to have clients that were able to move on from where they were in a real estate situation, but they they needed to maintain um, a, a lease and or a, a tenant situation with where they were leaving to go from. So uh, that just kind of started everything. We started with uh, one unit, then 10, and then our team started to develop with, you know, obviously needed somebody to handle leasing, which was a complete and total separate entity from real estate sales. It's a different conversation. It's different strategy. And then from there, we needed maintenance. So now we manage over 100 units in six counties. Uh, we have a dedicated team of leasing. We have a business manager for tenant landlord accounts. We have uh, maintenance and property management coordination, all aside from the real estate business. Oh, my gosh, man. So how many teammates do you guys have between both companies right now? Like how many employees, you know, everything underneath uh, you guys? Total employees is six. Uh, teammates, agents, partners, uh, 35. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I was about to say, it sounds like you're going to need a, an army right there. That's, that's a lot of work, you know, with you guys being in six counties. And now, if I'm not mistaken, I just saw a video you posted the other day that said you guys have done like a billion dollars in total transactions. Is that like something like that, right? Yeah. I mean, over the years, I mean, it's been crazy, but uh, I think it's now it's 1300 sellers served. Uh, 
a little over 1,800 buyers. We've closed um, 700, 800 leases. We're working on a, a listing presentation that encapsulates all of our accolades, you know, our past resumes. What we're doing right now is I'm teaching my team is to use their not only their business resume, but their you know life experiences, so your client can relate to who you are. It's not just about oh well, I'm an Excel expert. I, I can navigate through WordPress, or I used to be in digital you know uh, marketing or whatever. But more towards what's involved with the family, how far out have you traveled, and things like that. Got you, got you, man. So. How did you and David meet? Like, how did this start? This is amazing that you guys have built this over. Yeah, it's, it's been a long time coming, I guess. Uh, but we've done everything that the business books say not to do. Uh, we've had friendships first, you know, um, and then got into business. He had this idea years ago. This is when we were in college, you know, running our fraternity and, and running campus, if you will. Um, He's like, look, you're the numbers guy. You understand this. You be the lender. I'll be the real estate pro and we'll crush it, right? Right out of the park. Uh, as life had it, the lending piece never came together, but I came back into town 2003 from living in Orlando and just connected with him after you know being in a workspace that it did pretty well in, but it just wasn't for me. It didn't feel good. Um, met some great people and still friends with those today, but Dave's like, look, let's get together. Let's do this real estate thing. Get your license real quick. It was 2003. The market was just picking up steam. And he and I did, as you would imagine, very well together. And it's it's always been 50-50. There's never been a question. Some months, he crushes it. And I lay an egg. Or it's vice versa. And it it's just the way that it is. Um, best friend, brother from another mother, whatever you want to call it. That's just how it is. That's the way it's been. Uh, and... Knock on wood, that's how it's going to stay. Yeah, I love that. I love that, man. You know, it's uh, something you said in the uh, a little bit ago though was like around kind of what got you guys into property management was the fact that the market conditions had shifted so much. And so I'm actually curious, are you seeing anything like that now? Because like with with um, you know, obviously home prices skyrocketing and rents also skyrocketing. Right. What are you seeing this in this market? Like, what are your opinions of this market versus when you first got into it because of the market conditions? From a real estate side, I just I just had this conversation this morning with one of my uh, investor clients. We're actively putting offers in on all types of properties in the residential space, and we're getting outbid. And the market, because of the velocity, has pushed the investor off to the side because consumers are realizing. I can get in regardless of condition, fix it up over time, or if I'm lucky enough to fix it up quickly, live in it and, and celebrate the moment. But but they're getting guaranteed equity in the moment. And the investor is kind of right now taking a second seat, albeit those that are in the market that have you know three and five years of experience as a landlord, they're really reaping the benefits because as you just mentioned, rental rates are are going crazy. I mean, the applications that we have and we don't have many, very many active listings, but my leasing specialist will put a property on the market. And before she hits submit, we're getting phone calls, text messages, and applications submitted with people that are in the waiting because there's nothing available. Inventory is, is a real challenge right now. 
Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, it's happening everywhere, right? It, it's not like it's just in Maryland. It's happening in Florida. It's happening in Texas. It's happening in California. It's happening everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but are you finding that it's almost like ultimately become a blessing that you built this second entity because it kind of, I feel like yin and yangs, right? Like if uh, th- there's just different ways you can parlay it where, with investors, you got frequent buyers. If they're local investors, um, you know, they may sell a home. They may need your help with renting. So what, wh- how has that all kind of unfolded and, and how does it a benefit that you have both entities? Well, it, it, it's exactly as you stated, the word parlay. Um, we saw this as an opportunity and many people have used this phrase before. We haven't invented it, but it's listings in the bank, Right. So hmm. work with a client that in the process needed to move on, but there wasn't enough equity to sell. And they weren't going to take the loss in 2008, nine or 10, but they were comfortable carrying a little bit of a mortgage, maybe losing two, 300 bucks and riding out the market. Now we get to t- today's marketplace. Last year, we lost about 18% of our portfolio. But as you said, it's a blessing in disguise. We had listings to sell and they were in decent condition. They were ready to go. They were easy turns. Tenants would move out, go on the market, escalations would come in the door. Now we're taking the investment that we've collected in the commissions of those sales and reinvesting because we know it's going to happen again. All of our business is cyclical. Let's not fool ourselves. It's going to happen again. The market's going to, you know, tone down a bit. It's going to self-correct and we're going to get back into a normalized and then it's going to dip to the other side. And one day, one day soon, hopefully our buyers will have some payback because right now our sellers are enjoying the moment. But it's all cyclical and having the property management business has certainly helped with parlaying into listings. And then, you know, as we all know, listings are lasters, buyers call listing signs. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So how have you guys managed day to day having both of these entities and both property management sales and leasing? How are you managing all that? Well, it, it, it's, it's, you know, um, the idea of delegation and there's two of us. So we're not always in the same space at the same time. Uh, we have, as I said, a dedicated team for property management. We meet weekly and go over the numbers, numbers in, numbers out. Same thing with the real estate side. Uh, I, have, I have a long tenured employee. She's our vice president. She's our success manager. I think you've had the privilege of working with Aaron a little bit as we get mm-hmm. underway. But she handles all of our success components for the real estate side of things. She's also much more of an expert with the uh, contracts and transactions than I am, but she handles the real estate component and I handle the operations of both, but each has a dedicated team. Like I said, with property management, we have dedicated maintenance, dedicated leasing, and then the business management. There's a lot of moving parts. I mean, we're working now, I think we're managing just under 30 million in assets oh, every wow. single month. Um, and even with losing 18 to, uh, I think it was 16, 18% of our portfolio, we're also gaining higher value properties with higher rent. So it's, it's evening out at, let's see, Monday's meeting, we currently manage 110 units, all individual residential spaces, one commercial quad that is, um, let's see, it's, it's four, four tenants, uh, but it's our first dive into the commercial space. Oh, wow. Interesting. How's that going so far? So far, it's so good. Uh, it, but it's a lot of business, you know, analytics on the back end and understanding 
what your cap rate is, CAMs, understanding what the insurances are and managing the tenants, but so far so good. Got you, got you. Yeah, you say managing the tenants and it makes me think like, I imagine that having 110 units, you have seen some interesting things over the years. So like, what are some of the like, Uh, would you say most interesting stories you have from managing properties? The one thing that gets me is when tenants leave a property, they leave so much behind. Um, like that to me baffles all our, our entire team. Um, some of the stuff is valuable. You can still use it. It's good. Uh, we use it and we donate it to local charities and stuff because they need all this stuff. But, you know, linens, um, kitchen appliances, kitchen utensils, those kind of things. Uh, we've seen fraud um, in, in, in a couple of recent situations. Um you know, the idea of he said, she said, where you've got three or four people in, in one particular unit and, you know, they break up or something happens. There's a fight and a feud and they leave. Uh, we've seen just the worst of destruction that you could think of in a unit uh, for no good reason. Um, yeah, it's 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 craziness, but it's fun and it's entertaining. It's never the same. It's always challenging. And again, I. <laughs> You are what they say, what is the, the, the average of the five people that you surround yourself with, you know, uh, on a regular basis. My team is outstanding. I tend to get in the way sometimes because my mind's always moving. I'm thinking about this or that. And, you know, they get out of the room, McKenna, get out of the room. Let us do our thing uh, because they've they've done a really good job of, of mining the P's and Q's that are required. And, yeah. you know, our landlords demand it and they want somebody to look out for their investment when they're one state over, one community over, or, you know, three or four countries over. So. Um, yeah, no, that's funny, man. I feel like me and you are the uh, the same there when it comes to, uh, you get in a room and next thing you know, everybody's like, this guy's a squirrel. What's going yeah. on? He's got a- <laughs> yeah. No, like that the is- ideas, you know, the ideas are flowing, trying to keep things moving, um, trying to be agile, you know, with the market, I, you know, kind of taking a step back a minute. We had, at one point, we had three three commercial leases with a brokerage. We had three stores. I had uh, upwards of like 13 staff. Um, we had some tough decisions to make with the pandemic. And fortunately, we were able to be agile and move and, and still maintain profitability levels that were acceptable. Our team stead, steadfast, and it's been a blessing. They're, they're tremendous. I would not be here today without them. No question. Yeah, no, no doubt, man. That's exactly how it is over here. We've in, in the past, I would say we, we shoot, we're in our third year going on our third year at Dippity and we hired after a year and a half, I believe right at a year and a half. And just having that team is like, wow, like they've definitely gotten smarter than I have at many, many things that I trained them on and they took the ball and they ran with it and they keep researching and developing and just like, man, it, it's so cool to like, look back and see like how just much they've all grown and, and, and just how impactful they really are now day to day. It's just like you said, you, we wouldn't be here without them. So it's, it's amazing to, to be able to have a team too, that's unified and all going towards the same goal. Um, yeah, it's, it, You know, it's not just lip service. I mean it when I say it, um, that they're tremendous, they're family, some of them true family, the DNA matches, uh, and they take pride in that. They work really hard. They stay late. They come early. Um, they're traveling, and right now we all know that traveling is not the best thing because gas prices are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just saw a funny meme, man. It said, uh, it said, dang, Tom Brady came back to the NFL just because gas prices went right. up. Yeah. Was- 
Yeah, needed that paycheck to pay for his gas. Um, <laughs> all the boats and jets that he has. Anyway. Yeah. No, um, it's funny, man. So I kind of want to shift things into like learning a little bit about how you market these companies, right? Because mm-hmm. marketing and advertising plays a huge role. So like how does marketing and advertising play a factor in you, both of your company's success? Great question. Um, it's, it's, I'm I'm still learning, uh, trying to partner with the right folks to, to help us out with the, the, you know, Google and then social media and it's all changing so fast. I can't keep up. Uh, and, and frankly, nor should I, um, but it's, it's trying to take a little bit of our, our, our revenues and earmark it for future business down the road. And what we found is, you know, fast and quick normally tends to get you broke faster. Uh, it's a slow burn. It's not something that's going to generate results overnight, whether it's on social media, organic or paid. And especially with, you know, this thing called Google, it really is a slow burn. And if I would have stuck with some of the original ideas I had 15 years ago, I can only imagine where I would be today. But because I have that squirrel mentality, look over there, shiny object syndrome, it's caused a little bit of of heartache, but we've calmed down a bit. We've taken this pandemic and years prior, slow down, really, really invest in some partnerships uh, to help us out and focus on what we're good at and let them do what they're good at. And the results are starting to pay off. Um, Yeah, I love the ROI. You kind of nailed that on the head there talking about for future business where I feel like a lot of people have this perception of, of the quick money, right? Like if I'm investing in marketing or I'm investing in advertising, I should expect dollar for dollar returns or, or quick returns on that money. What, what lessons have you learned from that? Like what are some things that you've seen? Because I think that that was a major um, uh, a point that you made there. Yeah. I mean, you know, we all want, dollar for dollar return. We all want significant ROI. Like I want to spend a dollar and I want to get one and a half or more back. Right. Um, some of the things are quantifiable. We can see how much money we're spending and then I can gauge and track as to, okay, that money spent yielded this many opportunities and we close this. And one of the biggest things is it's, it's not a fast return, meaning I might get a lead quick, but I have to work that lead and build that relationship over three months. Sometimes it's four months. It's very rare we get that landlord that's ready to go. The property is good and closed, and now they're ready for us to lease it. Or we get that seller lead, and they have nothing to prep for, and they're ready to go. Um, so there's miles in that minute that we have to re- re- really pay attention to. Um, but there's also things that just happen, and I know what happens because of our marketing that I can't quantifiably track. Right? I. I'm not going to track every phone call that comes into my business. I just can't. It's that would drive me nuts. In order, I want my vendor partners to really track every phone number that's out there coming in. So we get phone calls and we get people that don't register on a Google or a social media ad, but they'll register on our website because they've seen the ads. Traction has started to take effect and they come back to our website three weeks later, three months later, register and we're on and popping. And that seems to be, where the rubber meets the road is that ancillary, you know, the coffee cup is now full and there's spillover and the spillover is landing on our website capture pages and or calling my associates just because, and it's because of the ads and I'm not concerned with tracking that good, bad. Yeah, and I, I'm just not concerned with tracking that. 
Yeah, I love that. No, a lot, like a lot of people will sometimes only quantify. We have many, many clients in the past that have done that where they try to quantify every little thing of like where some things you can't quantify. Just like you said, if you, especially if you have remarketing set up where you have your ads on social and like they're seeing you, you know, it's almost like a billboard. They see that billboard, that digital billboard, but they don't necessarily go to your website in that moment and take action. They're just, you're staying top of mind. You're seeing them. So that I think that that's amazing that you have that mindset because so many people want the quick quantifiable, immediate quantifiable returns from dollar to dollar. Where'd this go? Where'd this go? Um, and I think as you're building a real marketing machine, it's becomes really hard to do that. There's no way Geico right. knows that you watched that TV commercial on Hulu Right. And that's what subliminally pushed you over the edge to call them on Monday to get a quote like that. It's just well, no, the biggest and baddest people just know the value of generating future business. To that point, remarketing and, and to what you just said is like the Geico commercial. So I've I think I've shared this with um, my team is I have snapshots from friends and family and partners, lenders and title that'll be on you know YouTube watching an MMA fight or they'll be doing something online and our ads pop up on what they're watching because they're in the demographic or because they visited one of our sites or landing pages somewhere because they're always trying to stay, you know, uh, in tune with what we're doing. So our ads are following them. They take a snapshot, still image, and then they'll text it to myself or David. Hey guys, keep it up. I see your stuff everywhere. That's starting to happen now on a regular basis. And I've been paying for that and investing in that for probably three years now, but it's just starting to matriculate down to where it's a daily occurrence in, you know, core 500 group, if you will. Uh, so I'm excited for that. Yeah. Think about that though. Those, those core 500 people are going to be at a barbecue here in the spring or in the mm -hmm. summer and somebody's going to bring up property. Oh yeah. I'm thinking about buying a property. Oh, I'm thinking about uh, turning, you know, getting a rental. I'm thinking about getting an Airbnb. I'm thinking about doing that. They're going right. to be able to immediately think about you. Those 500 people are now going to root for you. You can't quantify that. Yeah. <laughs> you can't. You yeah. can't quantify that. So I think there's a lot of people that do obsess over the ROI of marketing and advertising, especially since we live in such a data-driven environment now, where. I can run this ad and see how many clicks I got. I can run this ad and see. Can you imagine in the 80s if you could do that? Like, yeah. like what? No. Yeah. No. I mean, from the idea of too much information, uh, you know, I, I run our books and operations. And I work with some really good accountants. And I had our chart of accounts so detailed out that it was like it was almost blinding to look at. And finally, somebody once told me look, these are your core metrics. These are your KPIs. Use this, shrink everything down. Less is more. And that was about eight years ago. And thank goodness that conversation took place because it's absolutely true. Less is more. I don't need to know every little detail of where the ads are coming in or where the, I don't need to know. I want to know the basics. I got key performance indicators for both of my teams. That's what we need. That's what we're focused on. And our yep. charter accounts is simpler. Taxes are easier. Profits are easier to look at and more exciting to look at. So, uh, yeah, from that perspective, less is more. And and I'm not worried. It's going to come in one way or another. And I'm just happy it's going to come in because of the stuff we're doing online, offline. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love the, the less is more uh, analogy there, too, because 
like think of the NBA, right? Or or any sport. If you go click statistics on ESPN.com to go look at the stats, it doesn't pull up what the the war is for the the pitcher. It doesn't right. pull up that stat. But I'm sure that somebody just heard me say war and they're like, what are they talking about? The war for that. That's a statistic you can look at in baseball. Right. Right. It's like, no, there's three things they show you on basketball. They're going to show you the points per game, the assists per game, and the rebounds per game quickly right there when you click statistics. Mm-hmm. They they made it less is more. And if you want to go deeper, you can. you're more than welcome to. But if you look at those three stats, you can get a pretty good idea of who's a good player. And are they performing well? And mm-hmm. I think that a lot of times that is what happens is sometimes people get almost this analysis paralysis from all these KPIs that are available to them to – measure how successful their campaign is uh, yep. when really you could try to focus on a few other ones and, and build an omni-channel approach. You know, you have an omni-channel approach set up. You got quality traffic coming in from Google. You got uh, Facebook remarketing and Instagram remarketing set up so you can stay in front of your past clients, your sphere, your website visitors, like everything like that. Some people just obsess over those numbers a little too much to where it almost cripples them and puts a bad connotation and perception in their mouth of marketing in general. No, you can. And I've been in sales for almost 30 years, I guess. But you can talk yourself into a sale and talk yourself right out of it in the same conversation. Sometimes you have to dive deeper on that. Right. I mean, you, you can give them the information and they're ready to go. And if you're not aware of visual cues and how to perceive that they're ready to conduct business and you keep talking, they're going to get bored. They're going to lose the focus of why you're even on the phone or why you're on the zoom or what and lose interest and, and forget even why that they're there and then move on to the next competitor. It happens. It's happened to me in my early stages of, of selling. There's two things that our landlords in today's marketplace really ask when we get into um, the nuts and bolts of signing a property management agreement. One, how long does it take you to lease my property? And two, uh, do you charge anything else that's not written down here? Mm. Right. Those are the really only two things that they want to know. Everything else is noise. It's it's you know considered as David says mind litter because it just gets in the way, right? And the way we operate, it's funny and it's old school, but uh, we started this business and turns into businesses now with the service of yesterday and technologies of tomorrow. If we didn't have contracts, we would still be in the same place because we can shake a hand and know what that means. Look your customer in the eye. That's how I was raised. That's how I've taught this business with the hundreds of associates we've had the ability to work with over the years. Some of them have moved on and they're doing wonderful things. But I can tell they're, they're doing wonderful things because of the bedrock of information and the support that we shared initially as we came together. Um, that means a great deal. But yeah, it's, it's a less is more philosophy and strategy. How quickly can you lease my property? Because what's my carrying cost, Right. Um, same thing with selling. It's, it's what's your average days on market. If you get to the commission question, you really haven't won the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if somebody's asking you for a discount on your commissions, you feel I obviously haven't built enough trust up with them. Exactly. On a personal level to yep. where like they even, yeah, that makes total sense. So you feel like in, in, in real estate sales, Average days on market becomes almost that key less is more indicator that people should be focusing on um, yeah. when it comes to hiring an agent. Obviously, personality and everything like that is is intangible, but um, that like when it comes to a metric, you would say average days on market. 
Yeah, and that's a little bit out of the control of, of the agent because the market's going to drive a lot of that, right? But you can also uh, not have a professional agent that somehow loses the finesse of the negotiations and you don't get the deal because one agent was less prepared or the other was more prepared. Um, this comes into the power of nice negotiating creates a win-win strategy, hopefully. Um, but I think so, yeah. I, again, some of it is is you know market-driven and out of our control, but the reason there's a scoreboard at the end of the day and what's reported on sports center to your point is wins and losses. Like that's a key performance indicator. Let's forget for a minute that there may be three guys on the, on the, on the field that are MVP candidates and they had a triple double or they threw for 300 yards or they went four for four and they hit, you know, for the cycle. That's great. Individually. That's awesome. But those that are playing team sports want the W at the end of the day. Yep. Yep. I love that. I love that. Man, that was that was awesome. Um, <laughs> all right, so over the years, you've done a lot of selling. You've done a lot of marketing. What have you found to be like some of the most successful styles of marketing for both your real estate businesses? Um, active marketing is by far and away the best you can use. Active being um, – you know, direct force uh, of, of communication between you and your consumer or your past clients. Uh, it's, it's, you know, driving by, stopping in, communicating, doing Zoom calls, connecting with them. Um, excuse me. Uh, no, no worries. You know, so uh, active has always been on my mind as, as the positive way to get things moving. And that seems to ring the bell a little bit quicker. Passive costs a lot more money. Um, but it's also that that form of marketing that you can do and you can kind of be rejected off screen so it doesn't hurt as much. Right. Uh, so <laughs> the biggest thing for me is being active in your marketing, active in your relationships. Um, <clears throat> it's very easy, <laughs> as they say, you know, it's easy to fall in love, but it's hard to stay in love. Right. Uh, keeping those relationships top of mind, keeping those relationships. Pick 50. I mean, most of the agents in today's environment, if they've got a, a core group of 100 to 200 people, that should be enough because they're going to be your raving fans. They're going to refer you to more clients you can possibly handle if you're doing your job right, actively communicating with them with real life stuff, not just, hey, your house is worth this or, hey, click this link so I can tell you how much your house is worth. But, hey, I've built up a, a referral base of contractors that can help you with gutter cleaning to painting the interior of your house. Can I help you with a referral? Those kinds of things. It's not going to pay off today, but after a while, you become that mayor of community inside that 200 people audience. They're going to come to you for every little thing, carpet cleaning, carpet installation, painting, drywall, mold remediation, you name it. I mean, it's happening now. I've got people that just simply text me because their friend told me that I had a good roofer. <laughs> yep. Right. I mean, that's, yep. that's the active way of marketing and it's, it's less expensive, takes more effort. It will hold you accountable, but that I think is the best piece of advice I can offer anyone in the real estate space, one day licensee or, or 20 years. That's the ones that I see that are doing awesome in this market right now. Yeah. Are the ones that have active, genuine relationships yeah. with, with their clients, with their friends, with their family yep. that are able to just be a help in any kind of way that they can. You'd yeah. be a fool to think that if you're going to transact business in real estate in this space, regardless of where you are in the country, 
you're going to get to know intimately these people over the course of three months to six months, whether you're buying or selling, you're going to know the ins and outs. If you don't have any compassion for that relationship and you're just in it for the transaction, they're going to see right through you and you won't last very long. You won't last very long. If you do and you have compassion and you actually can relate to these people as most of us can and do, you have a client base for the rest of your career if you stay in it. No question. I love that. I love that. I I actually was watching a podcast the other day that talked about how when they got their license, their first goal, which I thought this was interesting, was actually to build relationships with a hundred different agents. Sure. Not even like, not even, uh, you know, go tap into my sphere or go tap into my, you know, friends and families go out and I just got my license, go meet a hundred agents. And those agents end up being, mentors absolutely referral you know refer you to vendors anything there it just ends up being where you end up actually getting business from agents which i found the strategy was so interesting it's an unspoken truth but if all things being equal the offers are the same agent knows offer a agent better than b the likelihood of choosing you know that agent is is much higher because They've established rapport. They know they're good in the community. They're in the real estate community, they're doing positive things. They're closing deals. That's a conversation you can have with your seller. Look, these offers are the same. I know this agent is closing deals and they close their transactions. It's not going to fall apart. We're not going to lose focus on negotiations. We're going to work through this and close. And that's another thing. Contracts are coming in left and right. Which one of these can close? It's an important question. We teach it all the time. And I know there's some other ones in the marketplace, competitors to do the same. It's not just about writing the highest offer or the best written you know, packet of information. Which one of these is going to close? Is that agent partnered with the, the best lender and a great title company, working with good inspectors, understanding all the things that are going to potentially come up during an inspection or after? Those are the kinds of things that are as I said, the unspoken truths. So absolutely, that's a great philosophy is getting to know a really good, strong core agent population in your marketplace. So they're familiar with you when you start writing offers on their listings and vice versa. Exactly, exactly. And and, and not only that, but like, I love what you said there with the vendors, right? Like having a good title company in place is probably a super secret weapon for any agent, right? Like having those right vendors in place. Well, no, it's all about the relationships. Like I can call probably a handful of title processors or legal professionals in the title space. Say, hey, I'm, I got a question on this abstract. Can you help me? If I didn't have a relationship in our community, they wouldn't take my call. If I ask for an estimate for a couple of different things, it would probably be four or five days old before I got the information rather than give me 45 minutes. I'll shoot it over to you. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah. it's, it's reciprocal, right? They're going to call me and need something, and I'm going to jump on it and get into it as quickly as I possibly can. So if, yeah. if you don't, no, it have, makes total sense. Yeah, and I mean, if you don't have that, or that's not part of your your mo in the marketplace, getting those. That's a great point you made. Going back, agents that I don't know. This is just something in the market. I see a lot of agents being afraid to talk to other agents because they're with a different broker or they're they're doing this model or whatever. Look, we're all professionals. If we can't work together and cooperate, which is part of the transaction, what are we doing? If you can't talk to the other agent and not have, you know, a true passion for what it is they're doing and excitement for working on a deal together to get this thing closed because our clients are really the most important piece of this, 
then why even be a professional in this space? Yeah, I mean, it really takes you back to what you just said about compassion. You, if you don't, if you as an agent with the client can't have compassion for what they're going through, what's going on in in your head, right? But then, but then at the same side of that, on the opposite side of the transaction, if you can't have compassion for the agent that's on the other side of the transaction, it's the same thing because they're doing the exact same thing you're doing. Right. And so, why would you guys not be instead of trying to compete against each other, collaborating with each other and figuring out how can we make this go quicker, seamless? Because if we do great on our end and you do great on your end, we're both going to get raving reviews. And then those raving reviews are going to turn into more referrals for both of us. Absolutely. It, so, so many people are, you know, we're in a competitive they're world. Afraid, but, yeah, they're either afraid to talk to the other agent for whatever list of reasons. Uh, nervous. One agent may be a higher producer or whatever. Um, okay, fine. I get that. That's normal human interaction and psychological play. But at the end of the day, working with the other agent to close it, I had a great transaction the other day with an agent, not with our brokerage. I believe she may have been actually competing for the same listing. Nonetheless, we were able to work together, wrote a great offer. Sellers were excited on the idea of the terms and everything else worked together. It was flawless. Both sides worked together in absolute harmony. And we each said, with compassion, let's do this again. So she's watching our listings. I'm watching hers. If we can get back together, we're going to, because everybody benefited. The buyer and seller got exactly what they wanted and everybody got what they deserved. As opposed right, to think ladder, about that. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, as opposed to the latter, go ahead. As opposed to the latter, when you're fighting with the other agent because they're having a bad day and you don't know it, but they can't handle a phone call in the moment, but you need information right now, but you can't wait for it or whatever the case may be. But creating that unnecessary animosity. And, you know, we see it a lot in our business, unfortunately, but, you know, talking for our seller or buyer without really getting their consent, it happens a lot. It's again, unspoken truths, you know, but, but having that animosity towards the other agent just seems to cause unnecessary stress. And sometimes deals fall apart because of it. And they should have never gotten to that point. Right. Right. And and if you think about it, like, you you have this agent now you've built a relationship with that you said was in it was like harmony it was musical it was almost like it was beautiful it was perfect it was beautiful like butter smooth mm-hmm. and she, they, they felt it you felt it now you guys are looking at each other's listings well you know we live in a world right now where buyer demand is through the roof so I'm sure you got a lot of buyer prospects and not right. a lot of seller. Well, now you have a seller or a listing agent or somebody that may get a listing that is immediately going to hit you up with a listing and say, hey, does this one work for your buyer? They may even know a little bit more about the buyers you have because you've now built a relationship and you're like, hey, I got I got six buyers. They're looking for X, Y and Z. And now you have an extra set of eyes. So when they get a listing. Right. So let's bring this full circle on the idea of where leads come from and how we generate our business. If we have good, solid relationships and, and, and transactions with agents in our marketplace right now, and they know and I know that I have a property management division, but most agents want nothing to do with leasing and nothing to do with property management because it's a different animal. I mean, it's a gorilla that nobody wants to have lunch with, right? <laughs> Who are they going to refer their business to? Voila. 
if they trust me into the transaction and we develop a relationship and I say, look, we have a property management business. Here's where it is. There's a, there's a referral opportunity for you. We keep your business. We track it. When they're ready to sell, it comes right back to you. That's just the nature of the business. Listen, I'd be a fool to think that if you, agent from broker Y, gives me business, why would I attempt to undermine this transaction if I know that other agents are doing the same? I mean, I have a good name in this business. I want to keep it for the next 35 years because I'm not retiring anytime soon. My kids have aspirations for college. <laughs> My wife has you know, aspirations for bigger and better things. So that, that would be foolish. I'm honest with that. So I would never do that, nor should any of my team even think, yes, and we, we have now relationships with other brokerages that hand us their leasing clients, need management services, the moment they're ready, and we track everything, the moment they're ready to go, turn it back over, everything's up and up, and harmony is now in play. They're, they have a great listing. As I said, it's a listing in the bank for them, not just for us. It works. But you have to develop that trust, and you have to have that harmony in the transaction, because if you don't, your name's just going to go into the mud quicker than you think. Mm, man, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for jumping on today. That was amazing. Um, I, I'm, I'm super, you know, honestly honored and, and happy that we've gotten to, to connect over the past couple of years, man. You've become quite the friend. Uh, you, you know, as soon as I, I see that email come through or a phone call come through, I'm, I'm quick to respond and quick to, to pick it up, man. You, you've been great for us uh, over here at Dippity. And so I just want to thank you for, for that and then also for coming on and being a homie being a homie <laughs> i'm trying bro i'm trying um yeah no the feeling is mutual man i'm i'm honored and blessed to be on on this stage you put me in the limelight here in the in the marquee uh so i appreciate it um whatever you need man anytime yeah sounds good michael i appreciate it, man you you enjoy the rest of your day and uh i'll be i'm sure hearing from you here shortly you got it bud cheers guys cheers <laughs>